Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Key Life Fellowship Men's Bible Study. Pastor Kirk Hall is continuing his expository teaching through the Roman Epistle. Our prayer is that God would use this time to help you continue to grow in your faith. Now let's open our Bibles as the Holy Spirit unveils God's truth to our hearts. You guys know what to do. Open your Bibles up to Romans 16. Most of you are already there. We're going to be looking tonight at verses 17 through 20 in a lesson entitled, A Strong Warning from Paul. We have seen the last couple of lessons that Paul has really shared his heart, his heart of compassion, his, his heart for encouraging the church, encouraging the brethren. We saw that in the last lesson. He named people by name and shared why he was intimately connected with many of them. Um, and tonight he's going to switch gears. He's going to move from all the encouragement, all the love that he's been throwing out. He's going he's gonna to move to a warning. And many scholars believe this. Uh, many scholars believe that Paul actually took the pen in hand here. Um, because we know that Tertius, or some say Tertius, uh, it's both correct. Um, but we know that Tertius, and we're gonna, if you didn't know that, you're going to find out in the next lesson that a companion of Paul named Tertius actually penned this as Paul dictated it. But many scholars believe this, and, and I was overwhelmed to find out how many believe this, that the Apostle Paul took the pen from Tertius at this point in time uh, because he desired to write this, um, this warning by his own hand. Now, guys way smarter than me figured that out by just the tone and the language that was used. And many, uh, as I said, agree that that's exactly what happened here. Whether that's true or whether it's not, we know that it's still a warning from Paul. And it's a very strong warning. And he's going to warn uh, the Roman church. And in doing that, he's going to warn Keli Fellowship and every church throughout the ages who's had this epistle in their hands, who's been able to read it and see the warnings. He's going to warn them about individuals who cause division and who bring strife in the body. And, and I can tell you this, as we know, the Apostle Paul has never been in any of these things that we have seen him write in Romans. He's not going to be weak in his approach to this. He's going to come out, right out, and say exactly what he means. And so as we look at this, and we read it together, um, let's see these instructions and these warnings from Paul. These will be some of the last warnings that he gives in this letter as we are closing it out, bringing it to an end. But verse 17 says, I urge you brothers to watch out for those who cause division and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned. Keep away from them. For such people are not serving our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. Everyone has heard about your obedience, so I'm full of joy over you. But I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. Paul is giving this strong warning. And in this warning, we see a term that I want us to really focus in and hone in on uh, tonight. Where he begins, he says, I urge you to watch out. Um, write this down, to watch out for. Uh, we, we would know this phrase in, in English as keep an eye out for. Uh, that's how we would word it. The Greek term is skapeo. Uh, skapeo is to look intensely at something or someone. Um, so what Paul is saying here, he's saying don't take your eye off of them. Watch your back. Don't trust the people who bring division that I'm warning you about. Watch out for them. Acts chapter 20, we see this warning. Verse 27, it says, For I have not hesitated to proclaim to you, this is Paul again, the whole will of God. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which He bought with His own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years, I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. 
the Apostle Paul has a strong desire, as we saw when we looked at unity and the teachings on unity in Romans. He has a strong desire for unity in the body of Christ. He also has a strong desire to keep sound doctrine as that thing that keeps us unified. And so we have seen him teach sound doctrine. We have seen him teach on the importance of unity and that that there be no division over those secondary and non-essential issues as we went through all of that. Now he's warning that there will literally be people among you who are there, placed there by the enemy to stir up dissension, to stir up division in the body of Christ. And he's warning the Romans, and in essence now, 2,000 years later, he's warning us of the same thing. And men, let me say this, as the Apostle Paul said, we must be on guard. We must watch out for these people. So Paul's going to give us warnings concerning them, and we're going to break those warnings down into three categories that he is speaking of here. We see the dividers, the deceivers, and then the devil. Ultimately, we're going to see when we get to the devil that he's behind all of these schemes. But we know this, there are things that we can look out for as the body of Christ, we can look out for things that are visible. And those things that are visible, even though we know Satan is the mastermind behind them, they're going to come out in certain people and certain personalities. And as Paul says, fix your eyes on those people. Watch them. Don't let them sneak up on you. Don't let them take anyone captive and cause deception with their false teaching and their false ideology. So we see first when we look at this in verse 17, He says, I urge you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned. Keep away from them. First thing we see is the dividers there. These are those who attempt to cause division in the church. He specifically mentions, as he's talking about these people who bring teaching that is contrary to what he has already taught. And of course, he's talking about what he has already taught in the Roman epistle. So he's saying, first and foremost, there are people who are going to cause division over these issues. These are those dividers that we as men of God have to constantly be watching. We as leaders of the church, in my position, have to constantly be looking out for these wolves who are in sheep's clothing. They are dividers. They will cause dissension in the church before you know it if you don't keep watch. Now, these are those who cause division in the body. In fact, Jude says of them in Jude 17, it says, But dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ were told. They said to you, in the, in the last times there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. These are the men who divide you who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the Spirit. These are those men who we talked about before who they cause division over secondary issues that are not foundational to the faith at all. There will be people, as long as I have been in church, I have seen this, there are people who will constantly be trying to cause division over secondary issues. Things that do not matter. Things that do not pertain to foundational truth found in Scripture. There will be those people who come in with their own agendas and their own ideas. Paul is speaking of specific ones that we know that they dealt with here in Rome. But across the board, we have seen throughout the ages many secondary and even tertiary issues in the church pop up that have caused division among the body of Christ. So many times these dividers come in and they start teaching their secondary teachings on secondary things. They split the church in half. We've seen it over and over and over. How many of us have been along uh, around long enough to see church after church after church split over secondary issues? I've seen churches split because they couldn't agree on what color carpet to put in their sanctuary when they were doing a refurb. Be careful of those people. I'll warn all of you. Whenever you find someone trying to build a team not participating as part of the team and functioning in unity. right? That person who says, hey, I'm going to be uh, starting a Bible study at my house. Don't tell anyone about it. And he begins to pull his participants from this body. Be careful of that guy. I'm not saying that everyone who wants to start a Bible study in their home has the wrong agenda, but many times that's exactly how it happens. So 
have to pay attention to these dividers that are constantly attacking the church, sometimes over those secondary issues that we have talked about many times, um, sometimes over presupposed ideology uh, that's not biblical or doctrinally sound at all. Um, for instance, their, their religious traditions, uh, and these religious traditions that, that subvert and even at times pervert the Word of God. And we have seen that throughout church history over and over and over again where man's religious history has become an issue in causing division in the church. Uh, there, there may be those people who they were brought up in a church where women just did not wear pants. Right? And they, what they do is they convince a group of people in the church that, that women who wear pants are, are on their way straight to hell. I can tell you this, there's nowhere in Scripture, not one single time do you see a thou shalt wear pants woman. Or not wear pants woman. Or thou shalt wear dress woman. Or thou shalt not wear dress woman. We learned when we talked about the non-essentials that these non-essentials can cause division where there need not be division. So what these people do, they disguise these things, right? Makeup on a woman's face. I can assure you this. God has no opinion on that. Okay? God has no opinion on that. It doesn't make a woman sinful because she wears makeup or doesn't wear makeup. Y'all do understand that we, and Paul has been teaching this whole time, we are free from those things because we're under grace. Now, we know that a woman is to dress modestly. Did you know that's in the New Testament? She's to dress modestly. She's not to build her, her beauty on the outward, but her beauty is to come from the inward. But there's still nothing wrong with her looking pretty on the outside as well. That just doesn't need to be the extent of her beauty. But we know this. We know people have caused division over those things, and there are whole denominations that are built around that. And those are divisive issues that have crept into the church. And he's warning us, be careful of these. And it's definitely not limited to that or to something like that. But there are many presupposed Ideas. How about uh, someone's presupposed ideas about eschatology? I can tell you this. There are many good theories about the end time. I believe mine's right. Therefore, it is right. However, the next person who is of a different school of eschatology, he might not agree with mine, but guess what? Those aren't foundational things. I'll hug an amillennial just like I'll hug a premillennial. It's okay. I'll even hug a postmillennial. It's okay. Those are secondary things. I'm not going to let those cause division, but we know this. Throughout the course of time, there have been people who have come in and who have made secondary things, seemingly foundational things, so that they can draw away people for themselves in their own causes. That's what Paul's warning about. Those who would come in, cause division in the body over secondary issues or over their presupposed ideology. Then he uses the term obstacles. He uses the term obstacles there in 17. He says, I urge you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way. This term obstacle is a bigger term of division, right? We know that there can be a crack, and that crack is a sign of division, and it separates one side of the slab from the other. However, an obstacle is a wall. That is a bigger divider. This is very important that we pay attention to this because there are those who come into the church to build a wall in order to hinder the gospel and to hinder the gospel of grace. Remember, Paul has been teaching this whole time a gospel of grace through faith in Christ and that alone. He's been teaching it since almost day one of this study. There are those who build obstacles so that people can't hear the truth of the true doctrines of grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Now, how they build these, we've talked about both of these. We'll reiterate it again because Paul wants to do that at the end of this for some reason, and I believe it's an obvious reason, because he wants them to see how serious this can become if we're not careful. And so when we talk about the obstacles that can hinder the gospel, we have to first talk about the antinomian again. The antinomian, that is that person who builds the gospel of cheap grace. Uh, that you can pray this little prayer, ask Jesus in your heart, live any way that you want to live, 
and you'll go to heaven. Um, that's not the gospel that Paul has been preaching throughout Romans. In fact, we know that is opposite of the gospel that is preached in the New Testament and that we have seen Paul himself preach here in Romans. Jude tells us this in Jude 4, For certain men whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They are godless men who changed the grace of our God into a license for immorality and denied Jesus Christ, our Sovereign and Lord. Jude is warning this. He's warning of those who teach a grace that is just a license to do what you want to do. It's a license to sin. And in doing that, they deny Jesus Christ as our only Sovereign and Lord. Jude was warning about this, but we know when we were way back in Romans chapter 6, eons ago, the Apostle Paul speaks of this in such a manner that it's very clear. He says in 6 verse 1, he says, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? There are those who will come in and who will tell you because you have grace, you now have freedom to live any way that you want to live. Listen to me when I tell you this. Those are abusers of grace. That is not biblical. That is not New Testament theology, and that is not anything that Paul did or would ever preach. Romans 6, he then carries on in verse 15. What then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law, but under grace? Right? Because he anticipated the question, well, can we just live any way that we want to live since we're not under the law, we're under grace? And he says, by no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone to obey him as slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching to which you were entrusted. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. Many times people come in and they talk about grace and how we've been freed from sin and they preach it as if we are free to sin. Paul is saying the exact opposite. He's saying you've been freed from slavery to sin, and in Christ you now get to lay down all of your rights and become a slave to righteousness. You actually now get to live out the sanctification process in practical righteousness, bringing glory to your Heavenly Father. Something that you could not do when you were under the law, but that you can now do under grace, through the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit. And so there are those dividers who come in and they build this antinomian teaching of cheap grace. And that's contrary to what Paul taught. Remember, he's warning them, don't listen to those who teach things contrary to the teachings that you've received. There's the antinomian. But then we know this, there is the legalist. There is that legalist. And that legalist, as we have already learned, but we'll remember again tonight, that legalist builds the obstacle of work salvation. The antinomian builds the obstacle of cheap grace, and the legalist builds the obstacle of works salvation. He tries to revert back to the law or some type of legal system in hopes and in efforts to somehow do these things to attain righteousness, not by grace alone through faith alone in Christ alone, but to obtain righteousness by His own good merits his own good works, his own good deeds. Now when we look at the legalist, we can't help but go to Galatians chapter 5. And I'm going to read all 15 verses, the first 15 verses of Galatians chapter 5, so that you can understand why we must be warned of the legalist as well as the antinomian. Because both of them cause division. The legalist as we see in Galatians 5, there were a group of legalists there in the church who were trying to preach circumcision again. That you, you can have grace through Jesus Christ, but you also have to have circumcision. They were preaching this to the uncircumcised Gentiles as well as to the Jewish believers who were there in this church. Now watch what is said here by the Apostle Paul. He says in verse 1 of chapter 5, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. The freedom that he's speaking of 
is not the freedom to live any way that you choose. I hear Christians misuse that all the time. Well, I have freedom in Christ, so I can do what I want. I'm still forgiven and I'm still cleansed. And, and yes, that may be true, but you really don't understand the price that was paid by the precious blood of Jesus Christ if you think you can live that way. It's for freedom that, that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. He's saying if you turn back to thinking that you are justified and that justification comes by some outward act of circumcision, you've missed the whole point of Christ. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. He says if you think circumcision is going to justify you before a holy God, you are also now obligated to obeying the whole law. You have put yourself back into the realm of works salvation. That's legalism. We know that's what Christ freed us from. He goes on, he says, you who are trying to be justified by law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen from grace. Now many people love to use this and say, see there, you can lose salvation. Let me tell you something that New Testament leaders never did. They never assumed that someone was saved just because they were a part of the body of Christ. right? Because they knew the story of Judas. And Judas was a part of the crowd. We're going to see this week on a Sunday morning, though he's a part of a cr the crowd, he was not truly in Christ, ever. And so the New Testament writers didn't assume that just because someone was in the church that they were truly a born-again believer. They understood Jesus' teaching that there will be tares even growing among the wheat. And so what we see here is Paul is saying this, if you revert back to the law, you have completely forfeited grace. Grace is, is nothing to you any longer. These people never truly were saved by grace through faith. They had been enlightened to the truth of it, but they were reverting back to the law and there was division being caused in the church. He says, verse 5, but by faith we eagerly await through the Spirit the righteousness from which we hope. That's Christ. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. Any value for what? We know that it could have value for health. Medicine and science tells us that. He's talking about value as far as justification is concerned. He goes on, and he says the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Why is that so important? We are justified by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And if we are truly justified by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, we will be showing love, not only our love for God, but love toward our brethren. Verse 7, it says, you were running a good race. Who cut in on you and kept you from, from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. He said, it's not Christ who's teaching you these things. It's not the Holy Spirit who's showing you these things. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. Very important when we talk about the people who cause division in the body of Christ. A little yeast. That's why I don't have a problem when I hear someone who's teaching something that's not orthodox Christianity to say, no. That's not right. Even in the middle of a reach group. Some of you have been in a reach group with me. I don't mind saying, no, that's not right. But if I tell someone, no, that's not right, you can bet this. I'm going to take the Word of God and show them what is right. And when you stop them and you say, no, that's not right, you better have the ammunition to tell them why that's not right and what is, is right in its place. I am confident in the Lord that you will, you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion will pay the penalty, whoever he may be. He says, I know it's someone. I know who's behind the someone. Paul knew that. But he's saying, I know there's someone there and he's throwing you into confusion. Brothers, if I'm still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. He said, I, if I'm preaching circumcision, why would they persecute me? I'm actually preaching opposite of circumcision. I'm not preaching justification by works. I'm preaching justification by grace. Through faith. That's it. He's saying, if I was preaching this, all the Jews that are persecuting me would leave me alone. They wouldn't be bothered by me because I know I preached it before. And they were my friends. And they patted me on the back. And they hailed how wonderful I was when I was lost and unredeemed Saul. He says, but I'm not preaching those things. 
Brothers, if I'm still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. I love Paul's gift of sarcasm. That one hits home right there. You know what he says? Hey, if you're going to do a little, just go ahead and lop it all off, boys. Go ahead and cut everything off. If you're going to do this and you're going to return to work salvation, man, do it all. Because it is equal in value of what you're trying to do. You're never going to be justified by any work. But if you're going to try, you might as well make it a big work. You, my brothers, were called to be free. Do not use your freedom to indulge in the sinful nature. He says there, he reminds them, look, watch the antinomian. I've been warning you about the legalist. But watch the antinomian too that I just warned you about, that we just saw a moment ago. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. Again, Paul there in Galatians. Warning of the destruction that comes from division over these things. He too there in Galatians tackles both antinomianism and legalism. He tackles and hails against the antinomian as well as the legalist trying to return to works salvation. Then we see this in looking at the dividers. Those who must be avoided. Those who cause division in the body. Those who build obstacles and hinder the gospel. I hope we clearly see how the gospel can be hindered if antinomian doctrine comes in the church. And I hope we see how the gospel, the true gospel, can be hindered when legalistic teaching comes into the church. We have seen those things across denominational lines for years, haven't we? All things stay away from those two extremes, those people who teach those things and cause division. They must be avoided. Nothing nice about this. Uh, For everyone who wants to try to make Paul nice here, you can't make him nice here. He says to avoid these people. Keep away from them. That's exactly what he means. He's not playing around. Uh, You must forgive each other. We, We understand that. You must teach truth and show love. We understand that. But when we have done this, when we have tried to teach someone the truth of the Gospel, when we have tried to teach someone the truth of sound doctrine and and, and the the, the truths that surround good theology, when we've done that, and they still continue to introduce divisive teaching in the church, whether that be on the secondary issues, whether that be because of their presupposed ideology, whether that be because they're antinomian, whether that be because they're legalist, when they will not repent of these things, They have to be dealt with. Titus chapter 3, verse 9. It says, But avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law, because these are unprofitable and useless. Watch what he says here about a divisive person. He says, warn a divisive person once. Then warn him a second time. And after that, have nothing to do with them. Have nothing to do with him. Those are strong words. You may be sure that such a man is warped and sinful. He is self-condemned. He says when you bring it to his attention, make it known. What you're teaching is absolutely not true. It's causing division in the body of Christ and it will not be tolerated. When you hear of it again, we know that Paul is talking to Titus. He's talking to a church leader here. When you hear of it again, go to them the second time. In all hopes that that person will say, you're right, that's not the truth. I will correct my wrongs. I will right my wrongs. And I will repent of those things. And I will correct all the false teaching and division that I have called. If they do not do that, Paul makes it very clear to Titus, you are dealing with an unbeliever. After you have shown him or her the truth through the Word of God, and they will not receive the truth, He says, what? You're going to have to mark them. You're going to have to separate yourself from them. In fact, in Romans there, what does he say? Keep away from them. There's going to have to be distance made there. And you can know this. You are to have nothing to do with them. Be sure that person's warped and sinful and self-condemned. Why such strong warning? Because Paul has already mentioned that a little leaven 
leavens the whole loaf. One loose tongue in the body of Key Life Fellowship teaching false doctrine could divide the body of Christ before you know it. This is a very serious thing. And it's a thing that I take very seriously. And I know the elders of this church take very seriously. It will not be tolerated if we ever have to come to you. Because we get it. Sometimes, you teach something out of ignorance. You heard some preacher on TV or the radio teach something and you thought, oh, that sounds pretty cool. And you teach that out of ignorance. But when it's brought to your attention through the truth of the Word of God, and you, you are clearly presented the truth, the teachings that the apostles taught, the teachings that Christ taught, and then you still continue to rebel and say, I'll believe anything that I want to believe, I can tell you this, you will be removed from this fellowship. You won't be welcome here. You say, well, pastor, that's, that's harsh. No, that's biblical. It's just sad that we haven't seen it in so long. And that's why so many churches are so divided on the foundational things even divided on the true Gospel of Jesus Christ because they have tolerated these things for so long. So we can't tolerate the dividers. Paul is making that very clear. They must be marked. They must be watched with a hawk's eye. As soon as you see someone who's causing division, see, is that person causing division in ignorance? Or has that person been planted here by the evil one? So discord cause dissension and division in the body of Christ. And then, when that person does not turn from their ways, once they have been approached that first time, and then that second time, they must be removed. Why? Because Christ desires unity in the body of Christ, not division. So, it's very important. That's what Paul is teaching here. He mentions the dividers, but then he also mentions the deceivers. Verse 18, we know they could be one and the same and be both all at the same time. But it says this, For such people are not serving our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. They deceive the minds of naive people. Everyone has heard about your obedience, so I am full of joy over you. But I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. He says that about their obedience to say, I've heard you guys are doing great. But don't think that you're above a person coming in and deceiving you and causing division in the body of Christ. So we see the deceivers that he's talking about. Uh, they are lost in their depravity. First Timothy chapter 4, as Paul writes to Timothy, he says this in verse 1. Chapter 4, he says, The Spirit clearly says in the latter times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Pay attention to that. There's so much demonic teaching going around in the so-called church these days that is not biblical at all. In fact, I can't figure out where it comes from other than the obvious reason that we see here, demons introducing doctrines that are contrary to the truth of the Word of God. He says such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. These are those men who are lost in their depravity. They're not believers at all. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 8. It says, Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so also these men oppose the truth. Men of depraved minds, who as far as the faith is concerned, are rejected. Uh, these men aren't believers at all. These people who come in and intentionally deceive with the doctrines of demons, with false teaching. Lost in their depravity completely. Blinded by sin and bound by sin. There in 2 Timothy chapter 3, that's what he says. He says, as far as the faith is concerned, they're rejected. Uh, these are those apostate false teachers who come into the church with their own agenda and their own teaching that is not orthodoxy at all. These are those heretics that we have seen throughout church history who cause division in the body of Christ. They cause division by deceiving others. Why? Because they themselves are deceived. They're lost. Deceived by Satan himself. They're lost in their depravity, but secondly, they're led by their own selfish desires. They have their own interests at heart. 
2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1, says this, but there will, uh, there were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought, the, who bought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. Many will follow their shameful ways and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with stories they have made up. You can listen to the modern preachers nowadays. They, they tell a lot of stories about themselves and they're always the heroes. We don't know if those stories are factual or true at all. But they sound good. I heard a preacher one time say this. He was a friend of mine. He said, I don't know if that's really true or not, but it'll preach. And he went with it. I said, what a disgrace. I find myself more and more, the more I learn, the more I grow, the more I listen to modern so-called preachers, keep the main thing the main thing, stick to the Word of God, because I know this, this is absolute truth. This is absolute truth. Uh, my brain, my brain is flawed. The Word of God, not flawed. Totally inerrant and infallible. Always, has been, always will be. It says about these men and their greed, they will exploit you with stories they have made up. Their condemnation has long been hanging over them, and their destruction has not been sleeping. These deceivers are there because they are entertaining their own greed, their own fleshly appetites, their own fleshly desires. They are moved by their own motives. Man, don't we see this all the time? It seems like every time we turn on the news, we see some self-made, self-proclaimed, pastor or preacher, right, who builds his earthly kingdom and tries to call it a church through all these stories and all of these false teachings, and before you know it, he craters and all of those who were following him crater with him. So we have to be careful of these people, these deceivers, moved by their flesh, their own appetites, motivated by greed, right? Motivated by greed. You're a greedy person if you really do have a prayer cloth that will heal that poor old man with cancer and you sell it for 50 bucks. But let me just go on and tell you this. They really don't have anointed prayer cloths. That's all hocus pocus to get your money. Why? Because they want an airplane so that they can brag about their airplane. So that they can fly to other places and collect offerings based on their greed and their own selfish appetites. These are not true men of God. Don't be deceived by them. They are deceivers. They are charlatans on their best day just trying to make greedy, filthy money off the name of Jesus Christ as they deceive people into following something that is not Jesus Christ, nor is it the Word of God, nor is it sound doctrine, nor is it consistent with the apostles' teaching or the teachings of Christ. But they just want to teach you these things so that they can have your money. So that they can have your allegiance and your following. Be careful of these people. Don't buy their books. Don't listen to their shows. Right? Don't like or subscribe to their Facebook channel. They're deceivers. They're leading people astray and they're causing division in the body of Christ, motivated only by their greed. Thirdly, these deceivers, they're lost in their depravity, they're led by their own selfish desires, but they're leading the weak astray. There's two things for us to learn there. Don't let them lead weak people astray. And don't be a weak person. The way to not be a weak person is to study the Word of God and study the Word of God diligently. Study the Word of God verse by verse just as it is written. Look at it in its original. Look at it in its original meaning. Find the proper context. Understand what's really going on here just as we've done through this whole study. We started at verse 1 of chapter 1 and we are working our way through this. That's how the Scriptures are written. how the Scriptures are to be taught. There are men who are constantly leading weak people astray. Matthew chapter 7, the Lord talks about these people. Verse 15, He says, Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Remember that. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes, figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, 
you will recognize them. That's why Paul says, keep an eye on them. You see somebody causing division? Keep an eye on them. Find out, are they teaching false doctrine because they are uneducated? Are they teaching false doctrine because they are one of these deceivers who has been planted here to try to deceive people, the weak people, into following the doctrines of demons? That's why we are to see what fruit they produce. Because a good tree is going to produce good fruit. That means this, he's going to live a life consistent with what he teaches in the Word of God, what is found in the Word of God. A bad tree is going to produce bad fruit. He's going to produce fruit from his flesh. Why? Because he's still driven by the appetites of his flesh. He's going to produce sin. It's going to be obvious. We're not talking about the occasional sin. He is still going to be wrapped up and controlled by his sin. So, you see the deceivers, lost in their depravity, led by their own selfish desires, leading the weak astray. How do they do it? He said through smooth talk and flattery. Smooth talk and flattery. You know what that means? They tell people what they want to hear. Right? You can live your best life now. Every day is a Friday. Name it, claim it, it's yours. God wants you to be healthy, wealthy, and wise. Right? All you have to do is just believe harder. I don't even know what that is. Believing harder. Jesus said if you have the faith of a mustard seed, if it's placed in the right place, you can say to the mountain, move, and the mountain will move. Jesus put the emphasis on the object of faith, not the haver of faith. But yet you have these people leading weak people astray through smooth talk and flattery, right? God wants every one of you to never get sick and never die and never struggle and all these things that you hear these people say. Charlie Victor one Niner kind of put a dent in a lot of their theology and teaching, right? Because none of these so-called faith healers could do anything about it. All they could do is sit back and watch. That ought to be the wake-up call, but you know what? They're still on TV. They're still asking people for money. And they're still making people empty promises. They're still telling people what they want to hear, right? Wouldn't it be nice if the message was true, live any way that you want to live and have heaven in the end? However, that's not the gospel that Paul preached. That's not the gospel that Jesus preached. They tell people only what they want to hear. Second Timothy chapter 4 again. As we have seen the many warnings that Paul has given about false teachers. False teaching. He says this in verse 3. Chapter 4. For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. They won't endure it. I told you guys when we started Romans, you're going to have to endure this. Right? Endure it. There's going to be some things in here that you're not necessarily going to like right off the bat, but you're going to see as we progress through this, these things are true doctrines according to the Word of God. They must be embraced. But there will be a time where men will not put up with sound doctrine, instead to suit their own desires. They will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. These deceivers, they come along and with flattery from their tongue, Tell people what they want to hear. And people run to them. Right? We hear it all the time. I don't want to go to church and just hear about Jesus. Don't hear about me. Why would you want to go to church and not hear about Jesus? Why? You want to hear about you. Right? You want to hear about how you can have a better life now and how you can have a better bank account and a better this and a better that. Do you not know that this life we are in, according to the Word of God, is temporary? Our citizenship is in heaven. It's not even here. But yet the American ideology and all the false teaching in the churches, i got to go someplace where I can have something that benefits me. Did you know the whole reason that redemption was given to you is so that you can glorify God? It is so that you can benefit Him. And you have been restored back to that privilege through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Now in that, I can promise you this, blessings of grace and His mercy drip on you all the time. And I'm thankful for that. But if I never get another tangible blessing from God, the greatest blessing is the fact that I have been restored to a position where I can now do what I was created to do. The thing that sin had hindered mankind from. And that is bringing glory to God. They miss that. They want to hear what they want to hear. Oh, make us feel good. Make us feel better. Do something about my stress. Do something about my problems. Do something about this or something about that. 
They turn their ears away from the truth. And they turn aside to myths, fairy tales, told by make-believe preachers who are deceivers, who are causing division in the body of Christ, lost in their depravity, led by their own selfish desires, motivated by flesh, motivated by greed, moved by their own appetites. They're leading the weak people astray, telling people only what they want to hear, deceiving them through smooth talk and flattery and evil tactics. Paul is warning them. He's warning them there in verse 19. He's saying, everybody's heard about your obedience. I'm full of joy about it. But I want you to be wise about what is good. He said, I want you to know the truth. What is good? What is expected of you? According to God's will. And innocent about what is evil. And your hands clean from the things that are evil. Whether those be evil demonic teachings, whether those be those sinful acts that someone tells you, no, it's okay if you do that. You have freedom in Christ. Go ahead and do what you want to do. It causes a stumbling block in the life of another or a weaker brother. You've caused more harm than good by abusing your freedom. There are those deceivers, though, who will creep in and they will cause division, leading the weak astray. And I can tell you this, the best way to know who they are, the best way to identify counterfeits, is to go back and study the truth. Go back and study the truth. Did you know this? Those people who are experts in identifying counterfeit bills, you know how they learn to find counterfeit bills? It's not by looking at counterfeit bills. It's becoming so familiar with a real bill that when they see a counterfeit, they know immediately that's not real. I am thankful that God is raising up a group of men who have heard the truth and who have devoted themselves to the truth. And you guys, I've already heard you. You come to me and you say, man, I heard this preacher say this and something just went all over me. Well, it should. You guys can identify the false things because we are constantly looking at the true things. You can see the counterfeit because you are constantly being exposed to the truth. We have to watch out for the deceivers. I can assure you of this. Every church that I have ever been in, they have been there. Identify them. Keep your eye on them. Watch out for them. Scope AO, just as Paul said. Don't turn your back on them. Look at them intensely. Don't trust them. Watch them. The third thing that we see here is this in verse 20. He says, The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. The third thing that we see here, the third warning, he's given a warning concerning the dividers, the deceivers, and then he's going to mention the devil here. He's going to mention the enemy, the director of evil. We've seen those who attempt to cause division in the church by just being dividers, those who distort the truth by deception. And then we see Satan, the devil, the director of evil. We know this. He's behind every evil scheme that comes against God and it comes against the kingdom of God. Don't forget that. The devil would love nothing more than you all in this room to forget that He's real. Because if you forget that He's real, you're doomed. He is seeking and trying to destroy the things of God even right now. Don't ignore that fact. Satan is the director of evil. He is the dangerous mastermind of evil behind all evil. In fact, behind the scenes, he's always plotting some kind of evil, trying to divide the body of Christ. We can go back to the ministry of Jesus. And again, Judas was there in the midst of the twelve. In the midst of the twelve. And Jesus said this to him and about him. He says, one of you is a devil. One of you is a devil. Jesus knew exactly who that devil is. He, knew, he knows exactly who the devil is using in our midst. We have to depend on Him. We're going to see in a moment His grace strengthen us and secure us. We see the dangerous mastermind of evil Satan first in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. It says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's scheme. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, 
but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Paul hasn't forgotten this. Paul is reminding the church here at Rome, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. He's letting them understand. All these people who are, are being divisive and these people who are deceiving, they're doing these things, and they have the potential of doing these things in the future because he's warning them of what may come. He says they're going to do these things or attempt to do these things because they are instruments of the devil. They're instruments of Satan. Let's not forget that. That our fight is not against flesh and blood. It's not our struggle. But it's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Those things controlled by Satan. That's what he's talking about there. So there is that dangerous mastermind behind every evil scheme. He's the designer of every evil scheme, and he is the destroyer of mankind. We know that he came to do what? Steal, kill, and destroy. Don't think for a second that he's just going to take the day off, that his dark forces are just going to take the day off. They're constantly looking for ways and cracks where they can infiltrate the security of our walls, creep in, and cause destruction in the body of Christ. We see Satan is behind these things. First Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says, Be self-controlled and alert. Why? Because your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. You know who he devours? He devours those who are weak. A lion always, I've watched National Geographic enough to know this, he always goes after the animal at the back of the herd who has a gimp leg or who is struggling in some way, he is going to bring down the weak. That's why it's important that we as the body of Christ, that we here as the brethren, we encourage each other. We encourage each other through the Word. We encourage each other through prayer so that none of us become to the point where we are weak and the enemy can come in and grab a foothold against us. You see the director of evil, he's warning against him. He's warning against the dangerous mastermind of evil. He's warning against the deceitful father of all lies. He's letting us know that all deceit comes from him. Those deceivers are instruments in his hand. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, says the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. Satan is that deceiver who blinds the minds of the unbeliever. John chapter 8, verse 42, Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I have came from God and now I am here. I have come not on my own, but He sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. He tells them why they can't hear what He's saying. You belong to your father, the devil. You want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. For there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native tongue, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So we see that this is, in talking about Satan, is Paul identifying him as the father of all lies? Redesigning the truth? And how does he redesign the truth? He tweaks it a little bit so that it's a half-truth. Guys, you know this by now, I hope. What is a half-truth? It's a whole lie. And so he tells that half-truth, half and it's a whole lie. He resides and operates as an angel of light. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 13. For such men are false apostles. Again, talking about false apostles, false teachers, false prophets. He says they're deceitful workmen, masquerading as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It is not surprising then if his servants masquerade as servants of righteousness. Their end will be what their actions deserve. Pay attention to what he's saying there. Satan is not in a red pair of tights with a pointed tail and a pitchfork and horns on his head. He's letting us know here that sometimes Satan is in the pulpit. Sometimes Satan is in the pew. Sometimes Satan is leading the Bible study. Sometimes Satan is leading the choir. Wherever we find deception and wherever we find lies, we find the father of lies trying to sow dissension among the body of Christ. Deceitful father of all lies. Redesigning the truth into a lie. Residing as an angel of light. Even in our midst. 
Be careful of that. Then we see he mentions this in verse 20. He says, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. He wanted to draw attention to Satan to remind them that's your true enemy. But in seeing him as your true enemy, we want you to see that he's a defeated enemy. He is the defeated enemy of God's people. The director of evil, Satan, or the devil as we know him, the dangerous mastermind of evil, the deceitful father of all lies, and the defeated enemy of God's people. He is defeated. Why is he defeated? Because Christ defeated Satan. And ultimately, one day, we will not have to spar against him in any way. But until we are glorified and until this earth is set straight by the return of Christ, we will have to spar against him. We will have to, at every turn, face opposition from the evil one. We have promises from the Word of God that gives us comfort. That's what Paul's doing here. He's saying, remember, though you have to fight Satan for a little while and he's trying to cause division, the God of peace will soon crush him under your feet. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, the promise that we go all the way back to to have hope in the midst of this. He says, and I will put enmity between you and the woman, verse 15 of chapter 3, and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. We know that Satan struck the heel of Christ there at Calvary 2,000 years ago. But at Calvary 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ delivered the death blow to Satan forever. Paul is reminding them, it's going to come to full fruition. Just hold fast. Just stay true to sound doctrine. Just persevere in the faith. And in doing that, I assure you this, God will soon crush Satan. He will soon crush him. Just as He has promised. He is a defeated enemy. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 says, Since the children have flesh and blood, He too shared in their humanity so that by His death He might destroy Him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil. Christ has defeated Satan and has defeated death. Hebrews tells us that. Revelation 20, verse 10, The devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire of burning sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. That is the final destruction of Satan that will happen in Revelation 20, verse 10. That is the future destruction of Satan that we await. We are thankful. We have the promise that though we must fight him tooth and nail in this lifetime, especially in the church as he tries to cause division and to deceive people into following false teaching, false philosophy, We know this one day that that will be over because Christ has already defeated him. One day, Revelation 20, verse 10 is going to occur. Paul ends this out. Verse 20 with this. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. What a powerful statement. He's letting us know that there are dividers. There are deceivers. There is a real devil. And yes, that real devil will be defeated in due time. But until then, I want to remind you of your continual need for God's grace. Your continual need for God's grace to keep you secure, to keep you firm, to keep you from the destruction that the dividers bring, to keep you from the deception and the lies of the deceivers, to keep you safe against the attacks of the devil. He's reminding them again of their great need for continual grace. So many times we speak of grace as if it's this one-time thing at salvation. But isn't grace and the grace of God found only in the Lord Jesus Christ, isn't that a continual thing that we need in the battle and the battles that we fight in our Christian walk and in the church? So Paul takes the time there at the end of verse 20 to reiterate our continual need for the grace of God as we contend for the faith. As we contend for the faith against all sorts of people and personalities Voices who cause dissension in the body of Christ. My encouragement to you tonight is may we hear the warning of Paul. May we graciously receive the truth of the Word of God. And may that grace continue to direct us as we keep watch. As we long for the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. May we be focused on unity. May we fix our eyes on those who might disrupt that unity. Identifying them. 
as those that the enemy uses to stir up chaos in the body of Christ. Not for the glory of God, for the glory of Satan. May we determine in our mind, just as he has said here today, keep watch for them. To say, you know what, I'm not going to be the guy who brings in false teaching, nor will I tolerate the person who does. I'm not going to be the guy who causes division in the body of Christ, nor am I going to be the person who tolerates it. May we hear the strong warning of Paul. May we see in his warning that we're in desperate need of God's continual grace until ultimately Jesus Christ will destroy the enemy once and for all as He is cast into the lake of fire forever and ever. Let's pray together. Lord, we love You. We thank You for Your Word. We thank You for the truth. God, I thank You for each and every man who's here who has committed and devoted themselves to sound doctrine, to knowing the truth of the Word of God. Not just to knowing it from a scholarly point, but Lord, to know it so that they can live it out. So that they can bring glory and honor to You. So that they can share the Gospel with those in need, fearlessly knowing that what they are sharing is the same truth that You passed on to Your apostles. Who passed it down through the ages. We should preach that truth Every man, every woman, every boy, every girl who we have the opportunity to share the Gospel with. Lord, we ask that You would do Your part in saving the sinners just as You have saved us. And we'll be careful to give You all the glory for it. We pray all these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. We hope that you have grown through the teaching of God's Word. If you would like to find out more information about Key Life Fellowship, visit our website, keylifefellowship.com, or you can email us at info at keylifefellowship.org. We would love for you to join us in person. Our men's Bible study meets every Thursday night at 7 p.m. here at the Key Life Fellowship campus located in New Caney, Texas. Or feel free to join us at one of our Sunday worship services as well. As we conclude today's lesson, I will leave you with one reminder. Go out and be the light in a lost, dark world.